Master Windu. I take it General Grievous has been destroyed then. I must say you're here sooner than expected. In the name of the Galactic Senate of the Republic, you're under arrest, Chancellor. Are you threatening me, Master Jedi? The Senate will decide your fate. I am the Senate. Episode 41 The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes, 30 minutes. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. Easily distracted by shiny things. And now, here are your hosts, Brad Milo and Frank A. Rincon. And right at the pinnacle, right when we're about to find out the reveal, the projector broke. True story. That, and you should. Man, I remember those people. They were like, what? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome no. to A Half Hour Wasted with Brad Milo. Hey, Brad. Hello, Frank Rincon. How and are I'm you? Frank Rincon. Good. And on the phone, we have Johnny M. from the forums. Johnny, how are you? Great. How are you guys? Hey, good. good Today, man. we're going to be talking about episode three of the Star Wars saga. That is um, Revenge of the Sith. And Brad, I think you're going to play some background music there for us. Go. There we go. Tell us the story. Okay. Tell the story again. And Johnny, we're going to ask you about this too. By the way, Johnny from Long Island, New York, he's on the forum. He's been listening to the show since episode 16, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, right around there anyway. And you are, a life, uh, you are a fan of Star Wars, and we will get into this. But Brad, when Brad and I went to go see episode three, we went to the theater, midnight showing. We were sitting there. We, we had actually had a um, the theater owner let us do some trivia and stuff like that. Yeah, with it's the, the theater. <clears throat> excuse me. It's a theater that I work part time at. So right. I uh, I got him to let us uh, provide a little pre uh, pre show entertainment. Right. Frank was the MC, and we all had a good time because they lasted like two hours for the movie began. But anyway, so the movie rolls. Everyone is excited. Everyone's moving their lightsabers up and down. The movie starts. We're into it. About two hours into it. I remember the scene. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a scene where Ben approaches us. Um, what, um, no, it was the scene where Ben, Yoda, and... Um, Jimmy Smiths. Jimmy Smiths are walking through the hall in the tent of four. Uh-huh. Talking about what to do next. Uh-huh. And what is it called? What's that called? Um, What's the th- What happens to a film? What's, there's oh, a it started to burn. Well, there's like and a... And it broke. A brain wrap. That's what it's yeah. called. It's a brain wrap, and... Uh, just the film <laughs> opening night. Yeah, the film oh. burnt and broke, and the lights went up, and everyone looked at each other like, is this, "Is this really happening on opening night of Return of the Sith? This is not happening." Yeah, and everyone just kind of looked at each other, dumbfounded. Management came out and goes, "We'll have it ready for you in a couple minutes." Five minutes later, they backed the film up a couple, uh, uh, about a minute, and played it through, and everything was fine. But talk about drama. Talk about Geek's Revolt. <laughs> there were some angry folks there, John. Johnny, when did you see it? Did they fire up any of the toy lightsabers? And oh, yeah. The, uh, if all of them hadn't had, if all the geeks hadn't had asthma, they would have revolted. But, you know, they couldn't. They were just, and plus, it was past their bedtime. 
Where did you see it, Johnny? Um, I, I don't have that great a story. I, I did see it in a local theater on opening night with um, with a bunch of friends who actually, I think, were pretending they weren't geeks. And then when the movie came out, they admitted to it. <laughs> nice. We all went together. So they were secret geeks. They were closet geeks. Right, right. Closet geeks. Absolutely. I think I saw the movie, uh, like... I think I lost track of the number of times I watched it at the theater because, you know, it was free for me. Oh, yeah. It was at least eight times in the theater. I saw it at least twice in the theater, and then I got the DVD, and I've seen it several times uh, since then. Uh, Johnny, how many times did you see it in the theater? I'd I'd say three or four in the theater, and a number of times since then, of course. Okay. Where does it rank in your ranking? In my ranking, it is... Number three, behind Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope, and then it ranks at number three. Wow. Mine's number, it's number three for me as well. I think mine is um, four or five. I can't remember. Really? Yeah. You can't remember? I can't remember because I always have to write it down. New Hope. Uh, I like this movie better than Return of the Jedi. See, in my list... There's no fifth place. It goes. <laughs> what is that? It, it it alternates between Empire and A New Hope. They they take over the one and two spots. They alternate the one and two spots depending on my moods. Um, Sith is number three. Sith is number four. I mean, for you, yeah. <clears throat> Sith is three for me. Jedi and Attack of the Clones are tied at spot four, mm-hmm. and then. Since there's no fifth spot, um, Phantom Menace takes the number six. Let's see. I'm New Hope, then I'm Empire, Attack, Sith, Return, and Phantom Menace. You like Attack better than this movie? Yeah, because the action. Because remember we talked about that? It's there just, is nothing but action in this movie. Um, except for five minutes where they should have played the Hulk theme. Uh, <laughs> uh, attack is in because we see the um, uh, the clone troopers come, up, come down on the... Uh, on the auditorium and save yeah. save them. And that's one of my favorite scenes. But anyway, let's talk about Sith. Let's talk about Sith. Now, it was released in 2005. It was budgeted for 113 million and it grossed 380 million. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's a lot of money. That Come. is quite a bit of money. Yes, doesn't sound like a lot, but that's folded money, my friend. Yeah, it is. That's, that's, a, that's quite a grip right there. <laughs> Okay, excuse me, I'm getting over cold. Getting verklempt. Okay, so let's say overall. Uh, this is how I like to start these things. Overall, Brad. Uh, we'll start with you, Brad. What did you think of of this movie? I thought it tied in very nicely with uh, episode four. Mm-hmm. I thought it did a bang-up job at that. Um, the detail and design work in this movie was just outstanding. Mm-hmm. It was just, every time I watch it, I see something else that I didn't see before. Just amazing. The detail they put into this was just incredible. You know when you're watching a, a cartoon and there's a background that's zipping by, and mm-hmm. if you pay attention close enough, you can see the background repeat itself? Yeah. You know, there are like maybe three or four visual elements to that background, but yeah. then they start repeating themselves. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where Grievous and Obi-Wan are, are on Grievous's little bike, his little round wheel bike. Right. And it's flying through the city, and the background of the city never repeats itself like a cartoon. It's just, it's totally different, and it's just 
all the details just amazing. The opening scene, my gosh, yes. with all the ships flying around. That is pretty amazing. Just amazing. Um, I love this movie. Really? I like it very much. It's number three in my list. Johnny, uh, overall, just what do you think of this movie? I, I liked it a lot. I, I love finally getting to see how we get to episode four. Um, I remember being a little sad, actually, watching it in the theater, thinking that, you know, this was it for oh, new Star yeah, Wars. This is the, yeah, this movie. is the last new Star Wars movie we're ever going to see. Right. You know, um, it, it, it's funny you say that because we had long conversations about, like, this is it. This is the last one. Anyway, go on. Right. My childhood is um, over. I, I totally agree about the backgrounds. And there seems to be, like, I don't know, I'd say three or four scenes where the characters are standing in front of giant windows. And, like, what's going on in the background, you know, in those windows is outstanding. Oh, yeah. Whether of course it's battling or just traffic. Or the air traffic in Coruscant just tickles me to death. Yeah, right. So I really liked it. Um, for me, I, I it's it's rock solid movie. You know, except for a couple scenes like everyone else. Uh, my take was on was that I know where we're headed with this. It's not going to be a surprise. I know that in the end, you know, the babies are going to be born. We see Darth Vader. It was a little anticlimactic for me. Um. Just because I knew where everything was headed, and yeah, that that kind of there was no surprise for me at the end. But you got to admit, when when that helmet is coming down, snaps down on top yeah. of Anakin's face, and you hear the the Darth Vader theme, and then that first Darth Vader breath, you got to admit yes. that that sent a chill down your spine. It did. That it was just. I awesome. always, I always thought when they announced that these movies were even being made. I always envisioned that as the final scene. Blacking out and hearing the breathing, and that would be it. And I was very close, but they did have another couple of scenes after that. Yeah, well, I think they did a bang-up job. I mean, because that... Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. And then you hear that, that seal. That when, the, right. when the helmet comes down, it seals it. That real high-pitched squeal. It's like the yeah. airtight seal, and then it... And the way the smoke kind of it yeah. billows and it moves with the with the movement of everything, yeah, just uh, well the, oh. the 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 best way to approach this Goosebumps. movie is just uh, start from the top. Let's go, go chronological. chronologically. Yeah, so uh, we start off. This movie takes place right after the events that happen in the animated series. So in the Clone Wars, in the Clone Wars. So we are flying straight into a battle to get to go to Grievous's ship and. Palpatine. What did you think of that opening scene? You that opening scene just it blows me away. Watch it on my parents' new HD TV. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, there's so much detail and it's just amazing. I want to give uh, the collective uh, group of people that is ILM uh, just a big hug. Really, it's just <laughs> awesome. It just I get goosebumps watching that scene. Johnny? Just amazing. Oh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was I thought it was outstanding as well, and I loved um, I loved those buzz droids that that, that uh, attached to the to the ships and were trying to dismantle the ships in midair and yeah, what a you know, great right idea! Ba- yeah, and right off the bat, Anakin's trying wild techniques to get rid of them, and right. Obi Wan's w- worried. You know, he's nervous, Nelly. Yeah, it's, he's like, uh, uh, finish the mission. Don't worry about me. But Anakin, he's just. Right. 
He's always wants to take a chance and stuff. I, I like the way the scene starts to where it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So we follow these 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 two little ships, these two yeah, fighter it, ships. It looks like a real calm scene. They're just yeah. flying next to a big ship, right? And then they go and then it reveals up and over, and there's just this giant battle yeah, that we have always wanted to see. Zillions. This this was the space battle to blow them all away, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Right. Totally awesome. But so they managed to make it onto Grievous's ship, and that in itself is a great. The way they they beat the shields, they yeah. jump on. You know, they are they are Jedi's full and full. They know that they know every move that they do. You know, uh, that is, it's so calculated. I just got to say that Obi Wan is just a bad guy. I mean, he is <laughs> just right. Uh, he flips out of that ship and starts whacking those oh, immediately. Yeah. He is just the Jedi to beat all Jedis, in my opinion. You know? Just the guy is a master at everything. And it, I just nerd out every time I watch him do anything. Yeah. the he's Could he take Yoda in a lightsaber battle? He would give Yoda a run for his money. Really? Are you willing to really? Oh, yeah. The dude is my just... Huh? My money's on green in that in that fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my money's on green too. I, but, I think I Yoda's mean, uh, the dude is just amazing, and I, I I credit Ewan McGregor because the dude had to practice his lightsaber duel. I mean, even from Episode One, just I will maintain that that lightsaber duel in Episode One is just the best lightsaber duel out of all six of the movies. Yeah. But seeing Obi-Wan go up against Grievous while he's got four, mm-hmm. one lightsaber versus four, that just proves my point. He's just a master, just a master swordsman. Yeah, but getting on the ship was pretty cool. Have you noticed the shields are still up? Yeah. I mean, they're, the, the way they quip with each other. Yeah, their, it, their dialogue back and forth is pretty awesome. And then and then getting on that ship, and, and what I kind of liked was that everything was, they never panicked. Um, they right. were all, everything was always kind of not ordinary, but just kind of matter of fact, like, okay, we need to get these elevators up. R2, do your thing. And they were just so cool. I mean, they were just, they and were they're talking cool. about loose wire jokes with R2 and yeah. you know, they're just like so comfortable with each other now. Yeah. You know, and that's a really cool evolution of their, of their relationship. Uh, Johnny, what, what did you think about the uh, about the Dooku uh, battle between Anakin and and uh, Ben? Uh, it was great. I was actually impressed with the strength of Dooku. Um, there's some there's some great scenes where he's you know he's using his lightsaber with one hand and with the other hand he's force throwing things and he's back kicking and. It was really, it was pretty impressive. It's a, it is a nice battle. Yeah, it's just, um, I mean, just the the power that that Dooku wields in in that scene is just, it's so amazing. And then when you get to the scene where where uh, Palpatine talks uh, Anakin into cutting his head off, that's pretty stressful and crazy. That that right there is um, one of my favorite favorite things when it's like the first time you really get to see Palpatine letting a little bit of the Emperor show through Mm -hmm. whenever he starts to get a little 
dark side-ish. Mm-hmm. His voice drops low a little bit. You know, you can really hear kind of the Emperor coming through. Like He's like, kill him, kill him now. He's like, I don't know, right. it's, it's not the Jedi way. And he goes, do it. Yeah. You know, it just sounds very... You know pop- what I, I, I love about that is, um, I think he says, when Anakin says it's not the Jedi way, doesn't he reply with like, well, remember the Sand People? And you can hear in the background the Sand People screaming from when Anakin had yes, massacred them in Episode 2. That happened after after he killed Dooku. He's like, you've done okay. well, Anakin. He's like, well, you know, I really shouldn't have done it. That's the Je- It's not the Jedi way. And he goes, well, he cut off your hand. You just wanted to re- revenge. Remember what you told me about the Sand People? Yeah, and then you hear the... <laughs> now, I read somewhere in preparation for this is that there was a scene that was cut out of the movie where Palpatine explains to um, to Anakin that Dooku was behind his mother being kidnapped by the Sand People. I don't re- remember... It, it got cut out. I don't think that's one of the deleted scenes. No, no, uh, or it I never got filmed, that. or it was in an early version of the script. So that just gave Anakin motivation. Yeah. Now, do you think that Dooku was aware that um, Palpatine and well, we touched on studios- this in the last episode, yeah. um, and th- I'd, I'd mentioned this. I think Dooku knew that Palpatine and Darth Sidious were the same, especially because when Palpatine says "kill him, mm-hmm. kill him now," you see that look of betrayal and shock on Dooku's face, like. What's going on, Master? There was yeah, that a part of the plan. Yeah, <laughs> you know that that would have been funny for a that would have been a, a good sitcom moment where Dooku goes, "Oh, I get it. Oh, yeah, pretend to kill me. I got you, yeah. boss." Winking, wink, wink, wink. <laughs> or he could have said, "What you talking about, Willis?" <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> what you talk about, Palpatine? Now wait a second. Okay, well, from there we go to the to the awesome crash on Coruscant, which, uh, well, I, well, I just skipped the whole Grievous. Uh, when Grievous enters the picture for the first time, he yeah, is... That's pretty awesome, and that, that's when, yeah. uh, when uh, we get to hear Anakin say, General Grievous, expected you to be taller. <laughs> you know, we touched on it in the last episode about how he, he uh, you know, we were saying that Grievous looked a lot taller yeah. in the cartoon than he does in the movie. Right. But, I mean, cartoons, they just exaggerate. That's what cartoons right. are all about. Um, but Grievous, it's just a great villain. Uh, classic, classic uh, Lucas style is to introduce a great villain and then take him away from us, our character, and take him away from us, which Grievous right. is. But, man, I would have loved to have known more about the character. Even with and the... I don't mean to... I don't mean to skip too far ahead, but on that point, when he has his big showdown um, with Obi-Wan, I think Obi-Wan cuts two of his hands off in about three seconds. Yes, that was when, yeah, that's that's another reason why Obi-Wan's just awesome. (laughs) Right, well, yes, you could look at it that way, but, you know, they're trying to build up Grievous as this great villain, and they just always seem to, you know, cut them short at the end. Yeah, and he, and he, and 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 we are jumping ahead, but yeah, he is cut short. I mean, I I think he should have held on to his uh, you know, to to his four lightsabers for just a tad longer, a, a, a lot longer, in my opinion. But see, I know. disagree with you guys. That's that just shows how good Obi Wan is with mm-hmm. the lightsaber. Um, and I don't think I don't think Grievous was cut away from us 
too soon because he was with us pretty much the whole movie. Two thirds of the movie, he was still yeah. there. Yeah. Um, I, I he I, I just want to know more about his history. I just want to know more about you know where he came from. You know, it, it would have been nice if he existed just a little longer. Yeah. Just kind of kind of like Boba Fett, and you know right. that that happens all the time. That but, seems to be the plan now, marketing-wise. They introduce some new people, and they let you seek it out in the books and the comics. and the, That's know, true. There, um, whatever else you can find. There have been some, some good um, novels, some expansion on some of the characters in these novels. And um, I read 99% of those novels anyway, and, and there's been some good ones, some real good ones. Um, just uh, what did you think about um, Grievous's motivations? Uh, being involved with the Empire and stuff. I mean, why do you think he he was involved? Well, what do you think he got out of it? You know, I was going to ask you guys about that. And it's, I started thinking about it in the middle of the Clone War. What I never really understood Grievous's motivation. He was set up in the Clone Wars as being the, the, the leader of the... <laughs> text message, sorry about that. The leader of the... Uh, separatist army of right. the droid army, mm-hmm. but it, he never really did say anything that made me understand why he was doing what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, did I miss something, Johnny? No, I, I don't think you missed um, anything at all. And the only thing that I can come up with is, you know, that, that there's definitely an organic element to Grievous. He was—I don't want to say human, but he was living at some point i would say would you guys agree with that yeah i mean i could expand just a little bit on what you're about to say but anyway go on i was just going to say so maybe that's part of the backstory you know what was he before he became mostly a droid well he was partially organic yeah he he was and again i i think i read this in one of the novels can't remember which one but he did he was some some type of strategist um Palpatine made it a point for him to um, to crash and almost die, and then rebuilt him so he would be devoted to um, to Palpatine because oh, okay. Palpatine saw saw a lot of potential in him. But you know, Grievous, you could argue, is also the predecessor to Darth Vader in that you know he's half machine, half man, or half alien, whatever he is. I think something you just said just answered our question about Grievous's motivation. Mm-hmm. He was just doing what Sidious was telling him to do. Mm. I mean, because you know, Sidious says, "Okay, take the Separatist leaders and move them to the, to the Mustafar mm-hmm. se- uh, system." He's like, "Yes, sir, I'll do it." You know, he was just following orders. Grievous was the one behind the war, and I'm sorry, Sidious was the one behind the 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 um, droid army war, and Grievous was just his tool to get yeah. it done. So, his motivation was just serving the Emperor, yeah. or serving Darth Sidious. He's a soldier, he's a general, he's just following orders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're right, there was kind of something missing from his story to make his character really stand out. Yeah, he was just kind of a bad guy to, I mean, just, just a general to be a general, a bad guy to be a bad guy. You just kind of want to, you kind of wish there was a little more, like... You know, did Sidious kill his kids, or did Sidious, you know, promise him a planet, or something like that? You know, what's his motivation? But he was still a bad guy. And, you know, I love how he kind of, he always had a backup plan for things to a point. Like, that whole battle on the bridge of his of his ship, 
you know, when he's when he's surrounded by Jedi's, by Anakin and, and Obi Wan, what does he do? He breaks the window and right, he flies he, out. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. Shows the strategy, you know, the strategist in him. He's not going to try to take on three Jedi. Yeah. We also get to start seeing um, a little more of the, tying in with Episode Four. Right off the bat, um, you know, we hear we hear Obi Wan saying some things that he says in Episode Four or similar. You know, he'll say, he says, I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah, yeah. Um, he says, uh, when when he and Anakin are stuck in the elevator, and Anakin says, well, there's one more than one way to get out of here, and he starts cutting a hole through the roof, and he <laughs> jumps through it, and Obi-Wan says, always on the move. <laughs> That's reminiscent of, of when he's in episode four, when Obi-Wan says, quickly, they're on the move. Yeah. You know, talking about the sand people. So we get to hear a lot of that. That same stuff. Later in the movie, when he defeats Grievous, he's holding the blaster. He looks at it and says, so uncivilized. Yeah. You know, the conversation that he has with Luke in episode four, when he's talking about the lightsaber being from a more civilized more time, civilized. not as clumsy or random as a blaster. Mm-hmm. Just the way they tied, tied these movies in, Link 3 to 4 was a real treat for me. Um, I actually, I had a problem with some of Obi-Wan's dialogue around this point of the movie. Yeah. I don't know if you guys picked up on any of it. Like, it seemed, um, with the elevator, he became, like, really dumbfounded and what's wrong with the elevator and he was confused with what was the problem with R2 and he seemed to be, like, bickering constantly with Anakin. And there was another scene where I guess a shield came down and he says, like, how did this happen? We're smarter yeah. than this? Or oh, yeah. Something. He just seemed like, for a couple of minutes there, it seemed like he was, like, a bumbling, you know, idiot for a little while. And that's not Obi-Wan. You know, it just came off wrong for me, the way he was being portrayed around this time. I don't you know, know if you guys felt anything like no, that. I, I, I would I wouldn't go as far as to call him a, a, a bumbling idiot, but he was a little surprised at times and just kind of questioned things. But I do have to say, that is one of my favorite lines in the movie, is that we're smarter than this. How did this happen to us? Maybe that just goes to show the... The arrogance of the Jedi that Yoda mentioned briefly in uh, in one of I think it was Episode Two. He's like, you know, even the even the more the more experienced, more wiser Jedi are making mistakes nowadays. Mm-hmm. Well, right. you know what? And and it's so funny because that line, the answer's right in front of them. The the reason why they're getting caught in something is because Palpatine is with them, and he's pulling all the strings. Yeah, they are smarter than that. But when the person who's creating the game that you don't even know you're a part of is also the referee and also part of that game, there's no way you can right. win. Let's talk about Palpatine slash Ian McDiarmid. Uh-huh. That dude is a fantastic actor, and I bought everything that he did in this movie. Yeah, he like like Count Dooku for me in the in the second movie, or Qui Gon Jinn in the in the first movie. Palpatine is what right. holds this movie together. And Ian McDiarmid, I thought his acting was was the least mechanical in this whole movie. I just think he's a quality actor and he brought he brought just the right amount of believability to to the character uh Palpatine. I thought he did a fantastic job. He was scary. He was confident. He was 
it was almost like he was ignoring George Lucas's directing and <laughs> doing it on his own. Yeah. I just I thought he was fantastic. Right. I, I like I like the uh, you had mentioned it before that it's kind of like a split personality quality. He kind of snaps in and out of the Chancellor and the dark Sidious. Yeah. Voice and demeanor and everything. His voice gets lower. He hisses like when the right. when the Jedi come for him at the end, and he's like, "It's treason!" Then and he just <laughs> kind of starts hissing every once in a while. It's just, I thought he did a fantastic job. Um, you know, speaking of Palpatine, what do you guys think of the opera scene? Well, that that whole scene was very. I think that's what made me buy the, and we've talked about this before, what made me buy the whole thing about the midi-chlorians. Mm-hmm. Right. That whole Darth story Plagueis. about Darth Plagueis. Yes. It made it made the midi-chlorians easy for me to swallow. And, and that right there was the turning point. Again, Palpatine is a smart dude. He knew just how to play Anakin, knew just what strings to pull, when to pull them, and how far to pull them. And, right. you know, and, and symbolically, Brad... Um, I picked up on this last night when I was rewatching that film or rewatching the movie. During that scene, during the opera, um, they're watching this globular water thing and things flying in and out of it. And you know what I automatically thought of? Because they're talking about midi chlorines and creating life. Because that's how life is created: sperm and an egg. Right. Yep. Something being impregnated, and yet there, there they are talking about creating life, and then there's that scene. I right never there. actually picked up on that. That but you're hit exactly me like, right. Yeah, that hit me last time. I thought, wow, you're exactly right. How amazing is that? I picked up on something. <laughs> what were you going to say, Super John? Size. Um, there's a, there's a line in that scene where uh, where Palpatine says that um, all who gain great power are afraid to lose it. Yep. And you go back a little ways before that, Yoda tells Anakin that the Jedi way, you know, is train yourself to let go of everything you you fear to lose. Right. So here he's got the Jedi telling him, you can't be afraid to lose anything. You have to let it go. And here's Palpatine telling him, anyone with great power is afraid to lose it. So he's really, you know, the mixed message is really... It was really driven home at that point for me. There's really two complete opposite messages, and that's you know what he's struggling with. Mm-hmm. Even when being tempted with the dark side, when he finds out that that uh, Palpatine is is a, a Sith, he stills like, well, you know, I got to turn you over. He's trying to do what's right. Mm-hmm. Right. He's trying to do what's right, but he he just gets. Excuse me, I'm sorry. He can't let go like Yoda told him. He's got to let go. He just can't do it, and that's his downfall. Right, right. Interesting uh, bit of trivia. That opera scene when Anakin's running up the stairs and walks into Palpatine's box, George Lucas right. is standing outside yeah. uh, talking to his daughter. They're both in costume. And they're both uh, blue face. And yep. there's even action figures of that, too. Yes. How awesome is that? Um, well, let's talk about the romance a little bit. Probably the weakest part of this movie, at least I'd say. Yeah, let's go ahead and get this out of the way. Because um, yeah, I, I hated it. Yeah. It just seemed... I don't remember where, I, where I've where i heard this. And here I go again with having trouble finding words to describe what I'm thinking, but it may have been something you said, Frank, 
I don't I don't necessarily believe or buy into Padme's all of a sudden just thinking Anakin hung the moon. You know, right. I don't know how else to say it, but Well, you know, that's another it's another spot where seeing the Clone Wars animated before this would help a little bit. I mean, they do flesh out their relationship. Yeah, that that is true. That is true. To some extent. I mean, semantically, it has problems as well. There's a scene where, um, I guess, Anakin and Obi-Wan get back from rescuing the Chancellor. Right. And Anakin runs over and, like, bear hugs Padme, you know, in front of everybody as they're walking by. And then, like, two seconds later, I think he tries to kiss her, and she says, you know, not here. Right. You know, we have to hide our... It just didn't make sense. I mean, they just bear hugged in front of everyone, and now they're hiding their love a second later. It didn't... I don't know. I don't think they did a good job of just setting up the whole, you know, secrecy and, you know, that end of it. Yeah, I, I kind of like... I mean, because the, the the elements of them having to have a romance and having the children be born has to be there in order for the story to be complete. I, I think it comes down to the to really the the acting and 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 just there, there was just a real lack of passion. I never really the acting was so poor that I just didn't believe that they were truly in love with each other, truly into each other, and. and right. I bought it much more in those Clone Wars cartoons. You know, I did too, right. Brad. I did too. Was it episode two with the ridiculous scene, like in the field with the yes, with the ticks. animal with them? Yeah. yeah, I mean, if if that was supposed to sell it for everyone that they were in love, I mean, most people laughed through that. I would say. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't know. I all I can chalk it up to is is lack of uh, of action because. Going back to a, to Attack of the Clones, I mean, they faced death together. They were in that arena, and they were going to die. Okay, I can understand Padme kind of confessing her love there. But um, you would think that they would just have such a close bond in this movie, having done that together. And I just never bought it. Just never bought it. Right. I, you know, I, I kind of wish... I, I don't know what was missing to, to, to really flush out the romance... The love, because there really needed to be a passion between those two characters, and I never, I never felt it. Right, and even his reaction to hearing about the baby was kind of, I don't know, something about it. I didn't buy that either. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it had to do with, again, I've said it before, with George Lucas's directing yeah. and Hayden Christensen's acting. Sometimes it was spot on, and sometimes it was just reading a line. Yeah. Yeah, and and that. Oh, go ahead, John. I'm sorry, I felt he did. Hayden did a lot better. I just remember the scene where he gets off his ship and at Mustafar, and now he's like fully Darth Vader at this point, and uh-huh. he just had this swagger and like he looked more confident. I think Hayden was just more confident being Darth Vader than than being Anakin. Yeah. That may, that may be the case. That may be the case. Yeah, that that's a that's a really acute observation. That's really good. It's yeah. very cute. That's, that's uh, why I'm here, boys. That's why I get paid <laughs> the big bucks. Checks in the mail, by the way. Uh, can we skip the romance part? Because that just that we, just we got makes me way. sick. That's... That just. Can I just say one thing? No. And I, I know we're kind of no. Hey, whose show is this? 
I know we're, we were going to try to go chronological, but can I just say one thing? Friggin' Jimmy Smits. Was it really, again, is it necessary to have an actor like that? that who, I'm looking at him thinking, that's not Bale Organa, that's Jimmy Smits. Why? I mean, come I on. I, I just don't know how to articulate this. So you, so you no, have I understand. I, it's, it's Ben Affleck is Daredevil. You just can't. <laughs> yeah. It's, you just can't get past it. I did enjoy Daredevil. I will say that. But the whole time I'm thinking, that's Ben Affleck. That's you know, I, you know, I did not have a problem with, with Jimmy Smith. I mean, his part was so small. Uh, at times, I thought it was just a little overacted on his part. And going back to Attack of the Clones, you know that part where he hits, where he hits at the, the very the, end, when yeah, the, when they're standing up on the balcony, right? Yeah, and he um, nails his fist on the it, just it, a little banging the the balcony with his fist. Yeah. yeah, it just seems just a little too much a little like almost theater like i have to do this big so the audience will see um for this one his part was small but it it didn't bother me that much i kind of wish he had played a little bigger role in the other two movies so we could so he could uh, he just kind of seems to jump to the rebel side just not all of a sudden but a little too quickly in the novelization of this movie there were Lots of scenes that were expanded on, and I wish, and some of them were were some of the deleted scenes that they had on the DVD. But there were a lot of there was a lot of um, story about the beginning of the rebellion, mm-hmm. and Mon Mothma was in the novelization. Oh, that's right. Uh, a young Mon Mothma was mm-hmm. in this novelization, um, and. They were meeting somewhere at Padme and uh, Jimmy Smits and Mon Mothma and some other senators were meeting and discussing, you know what, I think we're on the wrong side. You know what, if there had been a scene like that in the movie, that would have made me feel a little better. Yeah, and I I can't remember if there was a scene like that in the deleted scenes on the DVD. I don't believe there was, but in the novelization, that scene was there, and that made a lot of more of the movie work for me. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't it have been cool if there had been a scene in the movie where like all those senators are leaving just as Anakin comes into Padme's apartment and he kind of gets that little thought in his ideas like, why, what's going on here? You know, why are you talking to these senators? You know, and then that would make the betrayal towards the later of the movie, maybe a little more complete. Right. Cause then, cause then Anakin could go, you know, you're with Ben and, 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 you you don't believe in the government, and I think it would have made the betrayal just that much more easier. And I kind of wish that they had put in just a hint of of Anakin thinking that Ben and Padme were together, just even if it was the the, the smallest hint of it. Because that oh, would have made. I agree. When when Ben says uh, later on, when Ben says the baby is Anakin, you know everybody's thinking, "Great job, detective." Yeah. <laughs> you know, she hasn't been seen with another male in you know three movies, and you can't figure out that it would be Anakin. <laughs> Anakin is the father, isn't he? <laughs> Something like that, right? I, I just wish that there had been just uh, just the smallest type of hint or smallest type of doubt in Annie's head that because jealousy plays a role in this too. It's like you know he's taken away my girlfriend or he's taken away one I love because there's nothing like jealousy just to kind of 
you know, get blood pumping and for people to think illogically. I think maybe just, like you said, a little hint of that. Just one more thing to, to push Anakin over the edge. Yes. You know, why did you go see Padme when I wasn't there? You yeah. Know? Right. That really might have might have worked. And they him. almost did it. He asked once, right? Yes. Uh, Obi-Wan was here, wasn't he? I think he says once, but it's dismissed very quickly. It's like they almost hit the point, but they didn't yeah. quite... She yeah. says. She says. He. Yeah. He came by earlier. He. He's. What did he want? Oh, he's. He's worried about you. Yeah. Right. He's worried about the baby, or he says, she says something to that effect. Yeah. Um. Well, let Let's talk about the uh, the fight between Ben and Grievous. Just that whole fight that takes place in the I forget the name of the planet. That's Boot a great. Yeah, that's a great scene. I mean, just I love how that scene starts. He falls out of the ceiling, mm-hmm. and he. Again, he says something that we hear him say in episode four. He goes, hello there. <laughs> it's just just uh, more goosebumps just thinking about it. I love the way Ben holds his sword when he's getting ready to attack. He holds it holds back it of his head. Back and above his head. Yeah. And oh, he looks awesome. Yeah. And he's got those two fingers pointed out. Yeah. At whoever he's fighting. Yeah, that that whole grievous and stuff uh, fight was pretty awesome. But w- were you a little disappointed when he ended up using a blaster to kill uh, grievous? No, not at all, because it helped tie in episode four when he says, "How so uncivilized?" You know, mm-hmm. just another. No, it didn't bother me at all because he's going to do what he has to do to 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 eliminate grievous. No, it didn't bother me at all. I, I just thought it was a nice touch, Johnny. Um. It didn't. It didn't bother me. It, it just made you wonder why nobody tried a blaster at any time earlier against Grievous. <laughs> you know, he kind of like went up in flames immediately as soon as he was hit. Well, I but, think um, but it was I, all right. It didn't, it didn't bother me. I think the only reason that worked is because Obi Wan pulled his armor apart to expose right. his vulnerable yeah. insides. Right. Which, uh, to be honest, c- come on, that's that's really crappy armor. If <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh. But yeah, that whole battle was was pretty cool. It went it went to oh, someone's getting a call. Uh oh, that's the movie theater. Okay, I wonder if I'm supposed to be at work this morning. Uh oh, that, that would really stink. Tell it? you what, I'll vamp while you go check it out. No, okay. I'm gonna ignore them. They'll leave me a message. Okay. So anyway, <clears throat> um, that was just that was so cool. Um, the the fight between them, I, I loved the way you know it was a chase. And Grievous is on his mechanical bike, but Ben is on uh, a natural, you know, a lizard, just an animal, a living being, as opposed to something mechanical. Just pretty, pretty awesome. You know, Ben's in the, in the, touching the forest, the living forest, you know, another living body. But Grievous, yes, uses mechanical machine. They left me a voicemail. Hey, look at that. What'd you, what'd you think of that scene, Johnny M? Um, I didn't. I didn't love when it went on wheels, so to speak. I didn't love the part with uh, you know Grievous in the um, in the machine and um, you know Ben chasing him on the lizard. I, I thought it might have been a little too much CGI at once. Okay. The lizard didn't look great to me with Obi Wan on it. You know, I would have rather seen them continue to fight it out one on one than go to a chase. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't think it was terrible, but. Um, it wasn't one of my favorite things in the movie. That that was probably one of my favorite parts. And there's so much that happens in this movie too. I mean, there's so much story. Right. Um, 
I mean, I know I'm jumping back a little bit, but y- you know, when um, when Anakin is asked to spy on the Chancellor, and the Chancellor's asking him to spy on the rebels, and then he has Padme. Right. I mean, he's torn in three different directions there. And he's just, yeah. I, I, I just feel so bad for the guy. You know, he's he doesn't have he does. It's like he doesn't have a friend or no. someone he can even, fully, fully trust. Right. Even when he gets off the ship at, at Mustafar again, that that scene, you know, he's crying. You know, you think you think at that point he has it figured out, and now I'm Darth Vader, and I'm going to go do this, and he's still completely torn. Yeah. Torn. It's like he can't have happiness. Right. He's he's destined never never to be happy. It's like he knows. Right. It's like he knows the path he's following. And, you know, like Padme says at the end, there's still good in him. I know there is. You can see that because he's truly upset by, by the path that his life has taken. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a nice touch. Um. Order 66? Execute Order 66. I wonder if there's any significance to that number in um, George's life. Yeah, I mean, all I can think of is, you know, it's real close to 666, but, you know, wouldn't it be funny if it was Execute uh, 1138? Yes, right. Order 1138. Uh-huh. Now that... There, that is a one, there is a 1138 in here somewhere, I think. Well, maybe it's, I know there's one in The Phantom Menace. Right, that might be what I'm, what I'm thinking. It's uh, it's one of the one of the battle droids has that number printed on his upper back. <laughs> right. Oh, you know what? It's a uh, it's an Easter egg on the Clone Wars DVD. If you key in one one three eight, you get some extra movie credits or something. Oh, okay. I think there's a couple on um, a couple of the episode um, one two three. Um, DVDs that have that Easter egg also type in one one three eight and you get like a blooper reel or something. Right, right. Um, but I thought that I thought that was really smart. I thought that was that was a great way just to have the whole thing turn. I mean, okay, we know these are clones. We know that they will follow any orders that they're that they're told to. But the fact that they're bred with this instinctive thing that all they have to do is say this and I control them. I thought that was smart and genius. I know a lot of people might go, oh, that's such an easy way out, but I don't no, think so. No, I don't think so. That was a, a, another thing that shows you just how smart Palpatine is. Yeah. He's been right. planning this for decades. This isn't something he just dreamt up last year. He's patient. He's just He just it knows how it's going to go down. He knows where it's going to end up. And he's thought of every last detail. Yeah. Right. He's a smart guy. And that's why he's so dangerous. Did you, um, did you guys, did you struggle like I struggled with the, and struggle in the emotional sense when, uh, when Anakin is walking into the Jedi temple and then he closes the door on those younglings, you know, that, that's the one thing. Master Skywalker. There's too many of them. What are we going to do? My my heart broke just a little bit. Did you think that was overacted or a little too much, or or was it? No, I think I think they handled that scene nicely. You know what he's there for. You see him turn the lightsaber on. Yeah. There's no reason that they needed to show any more than that. Yes, I agree. Right. 
Um, right, and that's that's uncharted waters for Star Wars movies. I mean, that's pretty dark stuff. Which is why this movie got a PG thirteen. Yeah, because right. there's some tough stuff that they had to address. You had to address this stuff in order for you to believe that Anakin could become Darth Vader. I he mean, had that, to do horrible things. That's going. Oh, that is going over the line. That I mean, you, you can argue other things, but the fact that. That you, I mean, to kill other warriors, okay, that's one thing. But to kill innocent children, it's just, you know, I, I, it, it's almost a little melodramatic. You know, it's like, oh, you know, kill a puppy, and 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 you know that guy's the bad guy because he killed the puppy. But it's, for me, it was just like oh, he has really just gone somewhere where he can't go, I and mean, I think he, where he can't come back. I think he knows that, like we touched on earlier, when he's out Mustafar and he's sitting there, and he, you can see the tear coming down his face. Yeah. He knows he's done horrible things, and he's just sad because he knows it's going to get worse. Yeah. And he feels His motivation up to that point, you know, you, you're kind of with him. He wants to make sure Padme doesn't die, and that's why he's going through all this. And, and like you guys said, now he just crosses the line. You know, now it's not about Padme anymore. You know, now he's he went off the deep end. Um, well, I mean, let's, let's jump to Mustafar. Or is there anything? No, I want to talk about the... Uh, when the four Jedi Masters come to arrest Emperor Palpatine. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about that. All right. That was... I love that scene. However, I had some issues with it. Did you, sure. did you like that scene, John? I liked the scene, but I didn't like... And I'm, I'm searching for my notes. I didn't like how the first two Jedis okay, got thank killed you. so easily. Thank you, thank you, thank you. They were almost like surprised that they were attacked. Yeah, the uh, no, the Zabrak Jedi. Zabrak is the um, uh, Darth Maul was a Zabrak. He had those horns around his oh, yeah. head. The, right. One of the Jedi's that came with Mace was a Zabrak. He had the horns. He had his back turned. He had his right. back turned when when Palpatine was striking at him. He he's he's actually turning. He's doing a one eighty. He's looking at the wall behind him, and he turns around right into Palpatine's lightsaber. I mean, how did this guy become a master? Right. You know what I'm saying? And then the other guy that had, I think his name was uh, Sacy Tin. I think that's the that was that Jedi's name. He had those those like those tusks or those horns that come down off the side of his head. Right. Yeah. And he was just standing there. I mean, how in the world can four Jedi be so dumb that the two of them just get wiped out just like that. I mean, that that just really bothered me. And the way that scene was edited really disguised a lot of the Emperor's moves. Yes, I will. Um, in, go, go on. Fish well, well, no, I mean, because of the way it was edited, it made it easy to kill those those two Jedi's. Uh-huh. You follow me? Yes. Yeah, I was very bothered by the first two being killed as quickly as they were. I thought, okay, that that you had me up to this point, and this is the first time in the movie when I've really been upset about something. Um, to kind of somewhat justify it, I guess, um, though I'm not defending it, is you know maybe these guys just thought, well, we're just going to pick up an old man. You yeah, know. but when he leaps at them and does the the cork the yeah, spiral the corkscrew, corkscrew yeah. uh I like and that. screaming <laughs> like with dark side fury uh-huh. at them, 
and he lands, why in the world are you turning around looking at the wall? You know what I mean? Okay. And they're not just going to pick up an old man. They know at this point that that's true. He's the, he's the guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's at true. least they. Yeah. I don't know. I if I ever I'm see on if I ever see George Lucas, if I ever meet him in person, I'm going to say. Well, <laughs> I'm going to say, why in the world did you have those two Jedi be killed off that quickly? And why was the first guy looking at the wall behind him? I just can't let go of that. It just bothers me to no end. And where's my 750 for Phantom Menace? <laughs> well, I would ask for not that, that bad. Um, now, do, um, okay, eventually Kit Fisto gets it. He puts mm-hmm. up a little more. But again, it was I, I, sl- I watched the scene in slow motion this morning, as a matter of fact. And the way it's edited is just real quick cuts. You don't see a lot of where the Emperor's lightsaber is until it actually kills one of the Jedi. Um, kind of a cheat. Kind of a cheat the way they edited that scene together. Yeah. Uh, even in, in some of the wide shots, and this is just this is because of the actor's ability. That That's all it is. But it's just <clears throat> some of it, it you could tell it, it, it's paced because of the editing because... It's it's made to look fast through the editing, but I mean, really, there's not the grace, there's not the rehearsal, <clears throat> excuse me, that um, that you see in any of the other um, uh, fights. And I kind of wish that the emperor had just been a little more graceful, had been a little more uh, um, confident in in his sword play and stuff, because he really, I just felt like I, he kind of struggled a little. Well, bit I've, I I I kind of had the opposite take on that i found uh i found him to be extremely confident even to the point of overconfidence Mm -hmm. well i i would say not in his manner but in his the way he handled the sword and the way he Mm. he would thrust and stuff his actual actions and not his his i just think it's a different technique you know is it not everybody uses the lightsaber the same way not everybody fights with it the same way that in the some of the novels there's been talk about different levels of saber technique and you know he's you know not everybody uh dances the same okay you know um i like to think that mace windu's not dead okay when he falls out the when he falls out the window yeah i like to think yeah sure he's been roughed up a bit he's missing a hand um but the dark side energy just kind of zapped his brain he doesn't necessarily remember who he is, and as he fell out, he um, he landed on a slanted building, <laughs> which enabled him to slide down the building. The friction slowing him down enough that he may he have, lands on a pillow factory. He may have landed on a canopy outside of a <laughs> nightclub in a dumpster, and then when he woke up, he kind of was like, "Who am I? And where am I?" and Maybe he's walking around the lower levels of Coruscant with no arm or with no hand and not not knowing who he is. I you like know, to I like to think he's not dead and then he's he's kind of starting a new chapter in his life but not remembering anything. That smells like a sitcom to me. Whatever happened to that Jedi who <laughs> fell out the window? Well, now he has amnesia and my uh he's a short order cook. I <laughs> I let my uh, old yeah, yeah, exactly. I let Allison, my eight-and-a-half-year-old, watch this for the first time a couple of weeks ago. It's the first uh-huh. time she'd seen episode three. And um, she got sad 
when Mace Windu um, died, flying, flying out the window, she she got sad, and uh, I like to I like to think of him as being alive, but amnesia, amnesiac, amnesiac. What's the word? I don't know what. Uh, he has I mean. amnesia. Yeah, memory. Yeah, I like to think he's still alive somewhere in the bowels of Coruscant. Okay, with the opening up a restaurant, you know, Mace's place, or no, he Mace's wouldn't know place. Yeah. yeah, no, no, he wouldn't. But that's funny. Yeah. For some reason, and he's always like doing stuff. Like he's he's chopping. Like suddenly he can chop onions with his mind. He goes, "How am I doing all this?" Yeah, I'm the crazy Jedi. Okay, <clears throat> so you have any comments? Any more comments on that that scene, uh, John? I don't think so. I, I didn't love. Um, I didn't love the way Mace went out either. Especially again, I I know I keep uh, going back to it, but it, when you see how strong and powerful he is, and what a great character he is in, in, from the Clone Wars, yeah. You know, to have him tossed out the window, you know, it was an important death. It wasn't that it was, you know, insignificant, but uh, I would have liked him to hang around as well. I, yeah. You know, I would have loved to have seen the Emperor just, you know, drag, you know, cut him in half or something like that. Just something that, that was so significant that instead of falling out a window, I mean, we've seen we've seen Jedis fall out windows before and land on their feet or jump on a car or like he said fall on a cam- canopy i almost wanted to see mace just chopped in half like like um like a darth darth maul yeah. you know i, I kind of wanted to see that but I, I i could see how you wanted to hold on to that character Brad, because you loved him so i much. think it was a great scene for mace because he we he really got to shine in, in that scene, we really got to see just how, just how good Mace Windu was. You know, he actually got, yeah, almost, huh? Mm. We're closing in on an hour on this episode. Yeah. Anyway, um, keep going. Wow. We really, uh, we got to see how good he was because he actually was able to um, de-weaponize Palpatine. Yeah. You know? He kicked him, and Palpatine lost his lightsaber. He would have killed Palpatine. He would have beat the Emperor if not for that little snotty brat coming mm-hmm. in and chopping his hand off at the last second. And and that's where he's torn between the Jedi's. He's torn between his he's torn between uh, the Emperor and his love for Padme, and just who do I serve? And it eventually becomes kind of a selfish move that he does on his part. Yeah, absolutely, because he's you know, all he all he cares about is saving. Had me. Yeah. Um, I always thought it was kind of um, ironic too that now here's the Jedi who wants to kill. You know, they've been telling Anakin he can't kill up until this point. Now here's the Jedi ready to kill, and it's kind of like, you know, maybe Anakin's thinking, well, you know, look at me, these guys are hypocrites. You know, they've been telling me not to do this, and now he's ready to oh. kill the guy that. You know, right. That's just how I thought of it. I mean, nice touch. I mean, because even Anakin yells. He goes, "No, that's not the Jedi way." Or he needs to be judged, and 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 Mace is there to be, you know, to be the executioner as well. And yeah, I mean, that's a nice ironic little twist that confuses Anakin even more. Like one of you guys said, right. or maybe both of you said it. Those mixed messages he keeps getting is really going to jack with his mind. Yeah, and right. you, you can see that. Um. You know, m- moving to the final battle, to the to the Mustafar battle, and the battle between Yoda and um, and the Emperor and Emperor, oh. which is just my little green friend. 
the way Yoda walks into that room and the two red guards just... Yeah, he just uses the force. That is my favorite part of the movie. I'll, I'll skip ahead if we do that at the end right now. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the movie. When they kind of turn and look at Yoda like they're about to make a move and he just brushes them away. Like, yeah. don't even bother. Easy. That's pretty awesome. Easy. And Yoda, in that scene, Yoda's so cool. He's like, he does that j- jump and flip and, and, and blocks the, the doorway and he's like, if so powerful you are, Lights his, ignites his lightsaber, then, then he says, "Why leave?" You know, it's just you could see the emperor is actually taken aback a little bit. You know, he's he's right. a little okay. This is this is not going to be easy. And the, the whole symbolism of them fighting in the, in the Senate uh, in the in the Senate chambers. Yep. It's just because they are fighting for at that point they are fighting for the galaxy. Sure, that and, Senate chamber represents the galaxy. Yeah, and. Everything that happened, you, 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 the the way this story in this story can go this way or that way, yep. depending on what happens here. And it's not legislative this time. It's 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 a battle of will. It's a battle of power. It's a sword battle. It's just that that okay. Well, I'll say that's my favorite part of the whole movie. Is that it, battle that right battle there. Is? Because first of all, I didn't expect that going into the movie. I didn't know that that was going to happen. Yeah, I don't think I knew about that either. And when that did, I was like, wow, this is... I didn't even realize that I wanted to see this. Yes. Hey, listen to the music. Oh, is it it's, the it's the end title. It's the <laughs> end title. That's how far That's how far we've uh, we've gone with this Oh, episode. Johnny can't hear that. But no, yeah, we're he can't. Here. I'm going to start it over. Um... Okay. I didn't realize how much I wanted to see that lightsaber duel until it was happening. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So, we're on the Battle of Mustafar. Uh, you know what? I got to tell you, though. Um, those guys pick the most inconvenient places to fight. There's a, there's like a tightrope scene at one point. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's so funny. I think, I, for me, this battle goes back to the effects for effects sake. Okay. I'll give you that. Yeah. Uh, uh, thing that I, problem I had with the droid factory. Uh-huh. Uh, in episode two, um, it's like I'm, I'm glad they had the lava, and I'll tell you why. Because in the novelization of Return of the Jedi, there is a mention of a great battle between Obi Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker, which resulted in Anakin Skywalker being burned by lava. Yeah. Right. I'm glad that they had that element in it, but. I didn't believe the, the fight at all. Really? No, they could have had a lava pit instead of an entire lava planet. Mm. Thank you. I agree 100%. I didn't believe... Nice. Again, it goes back to effects for effects sake. They had, they had them floating down the lava river. They had them crawling on that big m- machine thing that uh-huh. had broken off of the side of the mountain. Right. It was, a, it was a bit overkill for me. And then the thing that, that really ruined that whole scene for me was when Obi-Wan says, I have the high ground. Mm-hmm. What exactly did that mean? Did that just mean, hey, Anakin, I'm physically higher, I'm on the side of a mountain higher than you, and you're at a bad tactical position? Or... Hey, I'm 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 taking the moral high road here. No, I, I think I, it was, I think it was the first one, Brad. I think tactically, you know, the high ground is always where you want to be. That just seemed like pretty obvious thing like hey Anakin I'm wearing boots and a robe you know why, why, why even point that out I just that just felt forced I, I took it as 
you know, again, like maybe it was some point of their training or something that they know. You know, I have the high ground, so don't attack someone who has the higher ground. And here's Anakin, you know, he's flying by the seat of his pants, and he's going to go and do it anyway, even though he knows he's not supposed to, and it gets both his legs cut off. And his other arm. That is just how incredible Obi-Wan Kenobi is. He took three limbs off in one shot. That's just how important having the high ground is. Yeah. I guess so. I can... I think it it makes it a little easier to 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 deal with um, thinking about it the way you just described it, John. With the uh, tactically, you know, you're not you know you're not supposed to attack somebody who's physically above you, geographically right. higher than you. Yeah. While I, I might not understand what the tactics are behind it, I can see that aspect of training and it makes it a little bit easier to deal with. You know, and and instead of it, instead of. Um Anakin going back and and strategizing and and instead of just going for he goes for it. Right, as just shows to, more of his impulsiveness. Yeah, to where he what he should do is retreat back a little bit and figure out how to beat this. Uh, it's just yeah, effects for effects sake. I'll give you that. I, I agree with that. And we knew how the battle was going to end. Yeah. Which again, I'll keep. I'll say it. I'll sing this song. You know, over and over again. Which is why the the uh, lightsaber battle in Episode One is the only lightsaber duel in which I was emotionally involved. Mm-hmm. Because we know in this final battle, we we know that Darth uh, that Anakin's not going to die. Yeah, right. You know, it was neat. The two of them were evenly matched. There was that one scene when they're standing on the table, and they both try to use the force on each other. They both fly. Well, they're they both like are like pushing against each other their hands like a foot apart from each other and they're using the force trying to push 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 and then they both like you said they both fly back at the same time yeah you know that kind of stuff's neat but it just didn't it it, i wasn't i wasn't breathing heavy during that part yeah neither was i neither was it was pretty this movie was pretty to look at like i said lots of detail lots of design work but like frank said we knew where this movie was going to end up. Yeah. We knew where it was going. Well, what did you guys think of the whole... We'll start with you, Johnny, about the whole Qui-Gon reveal. Um, I thought it was I thought it was good. It, it, was, it was interesting, I should say. It, it could have been a little more dramatic, I guess. I don't know. It felt like it was thrown in between some other things that were important at that point. Is that where you guys are at with it, or did you think um, well differently? You know, uh, among geeks, you know, it's we've always questioned or like why why do some Jedi's fade and some don't? You right, know, and we right. always wanted to know the answer to that, and this answers it in a way that I think the the made the fans very happy. It was very believable, and just it answered it. You know, it's almost like the. The ultimate question: Why? And and it's and it's answered in a way that, you know, yeah, yeah, that it's like the opposite of what midi chlorines were. Right. You know, midi, you know, midi chlorines is this concrete answer that we have, and this is a concrete answer. But it, it's I found still it believable. to be a very satisfying um, answer. Yes, for that question, I found yeah. it to be. I, I will say that the novelization of Return of the Sith had a scene in it where 
Qui-Gon and Yoda were actually talking to each other. Oh, you got to see you got to see witness some of that. He was meditating throughout the throughout the novelization of Return of the Sith. There would be these scenes where Yoda was was either meditating or concentrating and and it kept the way I can't remember the verbiage but he kept the narrative kept saying something about the voice of the force and it turns out that the voice of the force had been Qui-Gon talking to Yoda and Yoda just really not realizing it until they started to have this full-on conversation and of course that aspect of the story was not in the movie but it made it made the whole uh, it, scene, you know, where he says, "Commune with him, I will teach you." Training for you, I have on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. It made that whole scene a little more poignant for me because right. we actually got to see Yoda talking to Qui Gon. W- not having not having read the book, I can imagine for some people that that kind of came out of left field. While it answered that question, it kind of was. A forced answer, almost, um, I, because I, there wasn't any evidence that that was actually happening. Right, that Yoda right. actually had that knowledge, whereas in the novelization right. of the book, you did see that evidence. I didn't. I didn't feel it forced. Uh, I was very satisfied with it, and it was almost like, ah, thank you. Yeah. Now I can sleep. Yes. <laughs> um. Well, I guess let's do closing thoughts. Was there anything else was before anything we close, John, yeah. that you wanted to touch on? I know you said you had lots of notes, more notes than you've ever taken in your life. <laughs> yes, yes, more notes than any schooling or uh, <laughs> anything really important. Um, no, I guess that's it. I, I was happy with the end. I was happy with, you know, the twins being born, and we got a little look at them being delivered and, uh, you know, look at Tatooine and, and um, the Organas with Leia. I, I was happy with with all of that, with how it closed out, and of course the young talking at the end. With uh, that was a nice touch. That was a real nice touch. And you know, right, I'm glad. And, and they're, right, they're looking out on the Death Star being built. I mean, that was perfect for me. I am so glad that they didn't give Tarkin a line. That you oh, just yeah. saw him there. And when he turned, his face was toward the camera. There might have been a little bit of CG work, but it looked like a young Peter Cushing. Yeah. It was that was a very nice touch, very nice touch. Uh, if anyone's familiar with the um, with the sci-fi show, um, oh no, I'm going to forget the name. Uh, oh, I can't remember the name of it. Farscape. Yes, he is. Someone told me that that's the same actor that plays Scorpius, or or. Uh, oh really? Yeah, I never watched Farscape. P- Peter Cushing. Anyway, um, I just love that he didn't have a line. I love yeah. that you see the the Death Star being built. Mm-hmm. And of course, how can we forget the one question? Well, if C three PO and R two D two were in the first three movies, how come in the second, in the original trilogy, episodes four, five, and six, how come they never mentioned any of that stuff that ever <laughs> happened? Well, the course, mind wiped. Yeah. Well, three PO only three PO's mind w- was wiped. Right. R two D two knew it all, but of course he doesn't talk in yeah. English, yeah. so we don't know that. But Going into episode four, what was that, John? He could have told 3PO. He could have, but he never did. 3PO would have translated it. 
He mm. never did, though. And that, yeah. going into episode four, watching it again, really adds a whole new dimension to R2-D2. It does. Right. And a whole new dimension to Darth Vader that you didn't get that first that first time that you ever watched Star Wars or any of the times before the, the prequel movies were ever made. Very interesting to watch episode four after seeing episodes one, two, and three. Yeah. Still, it's, um, you know, in, in the end, I'm glad the, these, these three were made, you know, were they necessary? No, because I was happy with where the Star Wars universe stood at that point, but I'm glad they were made. Yeah, I would agree. I never thought of it that way. They really weren't necessary, but it was nice to have that extra story. And yeah. I'm glad, and I'm I'm thankful. Yeah, There were some things I would have done differently. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell George well, if I ever get a chance. Right. What was nice about 4, 5, and 6 were these plot points were mentioned. You know, the Clone Wars were mentioned, and, and maybe the Lava Pit was mentioned briefly. And, and General so they, they Kenobi. These ideas out of left field for three movies. They were based on things that we knew already. Right. Yeah, I like. Yeah, made, yeah, it made them a little bit more relevant. I'm, I liked hearing Obi Wan called being called General Kenobi. Yeah, because that you know he would uh, Princess uh, Leia called him that, and you wonder why? Why would she call him General Kenobi? Well, you got to see that, especially in the Clone Wars uh, cartoons. Right. Yeah. Great, great battle scenes. You really believe that there was a war going on, a battle going on. Uh, at some points, I do think that the battle lost its or the reason for the wars was a little unclear at times um in that uh, you know originally it, it, it started off as just a trade federation thing you know um and then it grew into this huge thing i, I think we kind of lost there's just a little loss of focus as to what started the war or why it still continued but that didn't hurt it i don't know that it that the separatist movement was really referred to as the separatist movement enough or at all in the third movie. Yeah. You know, there really wasn't that concept of, of rebellion against the government that you might've, that you, that you got from episode two. I always took it as it was just the chancellor's way to get his agenda done. Well, yeah, of you course know, the, that's what it was. Yeah. That, right. I mean, he right. manipulated he everything. He manipulated it on his own. Right. Yeah. And he, you know, the, the great links that Palpatine went to, just—I mean, if you if you look at his plan, it's it's gi- it's ginormous in scope, you know. But yeah. I guess that's what being a Sith Lord's all about. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I guess you know favorite scenes. I've already uh, yeah, we'll make this the last thing. I've already told the the fight in the Senate. Easily my favorite, Johnny. I think he said, uh, "What was I'm it?" All about Yoda. I love when Yoda climbs up on Chewbacca's back. Also, that's—I don't know oh. why, but I just love that scene. Yeah, me too. You, you know, yeah, that was that was really cool. You know why? Because it makes him uh, because he's a humble person. Because he realizes he he can use some help too. So yeah. he jumps on, but he's a but he's powerful at the same time. But you know, he can use a hand. So he he's he's not above you know being lifted on the shoulders of a Wookiee. A lift? Can you give me? A <laughs> um, couple of my favorite scenes were. Um, Yoda centric. Uh, when when Obi Wan and Yoda are going back to the Jedi Temple to rearrange the code, oh, and yeah. they're fighting some clone troopers out in front of the temple. 
and Yoda throws his lightsaber oh, and yeah. goes through the chest of one of the clone troopers. Yes. And he he runs and jumps up on the clone trooper and then pulls it out of him. I thought that was pretty awesome. Nice sword play. All about Yoda. And then uh, when they executed Order 66 and the two clone troopers walk up behind Yoda, and he can tell yeah. something's going on and he just jumps up and beheads both of them in one swing. That was pretty awesome, too. Yeah. There, there are too many scenes that I could call my favorite in this movie. Well, okay. That being said, I think we have a terrific episode. Guys, uh, we look forward to hearing uh, about your comments. and You can leave them on our website or at thecomicsforum.com. The Comic Forums. Thecomicforums.com. Johnny, thank you very much for joining us these last two episodes. Thank, thank you for having me. It's uh been a lot of fun. Hopefully we can do it again sometime. And you have, you have some great insight, buddy. So thanks again for joining us. Um, Thank you. Uh, also, you can uh, leave us a voicemail at 641-715-3900, extension 775-0064-POUND. It's free. You get what you pay for. And, uh, and uh, drop us an email or anything like that. Guys, next time we see you for a Star Wars special, it will be a new hope, probably in a few weeks. But uh, till then, may the Force be with you. <laughs> and with you. <laughs> and Johnny? Take care. All right. Bye, see guys. See you later, John. Thanks very much. Bye.